Recorded live in Manhattan's East Village at St. Mark's Church in the Bowery, this is The Poetry Project. Welcome to The Poetry Project. Uh, My name is Ariel Goldberg. I'm the Friday Night Coordinator here. (laughs) And um, this is Soretta Morgan, who is from the Belladonna Collective, and we are co-presenting this reading of Janice Lowe and Pamela Sneed. Soretta Morgan. Okay, so we want to get started. I'm going to be really brief, but what I do have to say is thank you to Ariel and the Poetry Project for having us here. Thank you to the readers. Thank you to Bill Mazza, who is here and designs all of Belladonna's chaplets and has for years. Um, And for those of you who aren't familiar, Belladonna is a uh, feminist collective press and event series. We host readings, we publish books, um, including the gorgeous chaplets that are here tonight for Janice and Pamela. And and I'm just gonna jump in and um, introduce Janice um, from this piece of paper. An accomplished composer, musician, and librettist, much of Janice Lowe's work is produced behind the scenes. Her music for theater includes Langston and Zora, Lil Buddha, and Sit-In at the Five and Dime, among several other projects. She composed the opera Dusky Alice and is librettist of the song cycle Little Bird Loose, a collaboration with Nils Olaf Dolvin. She writes and performs with the band Heroes Are Gang Leaders and has written for the band's Digital Diaspora and Without Et Net. Committed to community building, Janice founded Namarun Theater Workshop for Young Writer Performers and is a co-founder of the Darkroom Collective, an absolute theater company. Her essays on mentoring have been published wildly, widely, and wildly. <laughs> Her debut collection of poems, Leaving Clee, Poems of Nomadic Dispersal, is slated for publication by Miami University Press in 2016. I think that deserves Hi. It's exciting. In Leaving Clee and in all of Janice's work, I'm struck by both the restraint and intensity with which she's able to address encounters with trauma and its rippling out through gestures and unexpected reincarnations. Janice writes from a future, one only visible to those who, like her, are ever dispersed in their quiet work of mending the wounds of a world at war with itself and of occasionally pulling back a few stitches and peeking inside. In the Belladonna Chaplet published for the occasion of this reading and available tonight is a short play, Swam, inspired by and blooming from conversations Lowe had as a child with her dad about his stint in the United States segregated Navy World War II. Swam is a play that takes place through memories, asking how memories ripple out into future generations. To reflect on this process of stories reimagined, Lowe's stage directions enter dialogue. This play meditates on lineage, to be born from someone and also to be born from history. The abusive powers literally attempt to erase the the incident of of resistance against segregation, a country at war with itself. The play leads us incrementally to a moment of one mess hall desegregating, how how in the process the room is hollering from all the insults. Janice's work is ambidextrous and is hard to spell when in reincarnation. Tonight she's accompanied by Gregory Cage on bass. Please welcome them. Hi, everyone. It's so great to see all of you here um, to read with the phenomenal Pamela Sneed and uh, to be invited by both Belladonna and the Poetry Project is quite an honor. 
so uh, my lead vocalist um, has an injury and uh, could not be here tonight. So all those background vocals I'm going to sing now have to get refigured into something else. So, but you know, I'm going to do it. All right, here we go. <laughs> Resistance Girl T. My dad was really into tea and herbs and leaves and loved to tell me what herb I should take for something. <laughs> and so I ran into someone in my neighborhood in Bed-Stuy who, um, actually it's not someone I've ever met, but I would see her hawking her tea to various cafes. And I would wonder, like I would get into the drama of it. Is she gonna, are they gonna take her tea? Are they gonna buy her tea? And then I would go into cafes, I go, oh, they've got her tea. <laughs> so this is dedicated to this person I don't know. Resistance girl, <laughs> tea. What's in the tea bag, mommy? 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 Something natural, roots and bliss out, a soothing pick-me-up, talking leaves, fired up sleepwalkers protection, a maintain. What's in the tea bag, mommy? What's in the tea, mommy? Who you taught collecting? Harvest, read up, try it out on. Twig and twig after twig. Properties. Why you not property? Who taught you owning? What's in the tea bag, mommy? What's in the tea bag, mommy? Tell us something aromatic. Sell us some loose sensual, some lose your mind. Hair in there, a lock I wouldn't drink. Should I? He would or she, cause it smells so good. Q, 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 Q. Can you cure tinnitus? Can you cure chemo ragged taste buds? Can you cure pedestrian rage? Can you cure spring sneezing? Can you cure too much, too public transportation? You know when you can't stand no more being a human sandwich in the morning, not free as a platform rat. Is your name Supermoon Immunity? Ah. 
I'll take all the ounces I can get for this. I'll take all the ounces I can get for this. How do you how do you make this tea? Do you do you grow it in clay pots on the on the fire escape in in your in your garden somewhere? Do you do you dry it on on Muslim uh, sheets cloth on your, your your kitchen table next to your laptop? Uh, how do you know which tea does what? Thank you. So, yes, I live in Bed-Stuy, do or die. I also like to call it the do and thrive. <laughs> and I'm originally from Cleveland, and one day I was at the Cleveland Museum of Art, and my eye was just drawn to this painting. I walked straight to it. It's a painting by uh, the artist Jacob Lawrence, and it's called Nostrin and Fulton. <laughs> and so that inspired that little piece of my New York home inspired this uh, poem actually restoration restore books restore store restore Asian restore black blocks Restore lady, restore Asian. Asian black power woman lady. Runaway green, West Indian, Korean market refugee. Clocking, locking eye. Hear a soul croon in her best badu. You people think you're white about to call me out going in on me copu coffee negro you 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 think you're white black power lady who happens to be asian black power lady who happens to be asian Funky Janelle, Monet Precision. Misty twirling Copeland by the patty shop. Restoration is good twice. A secret nod. Sly smiles, the that's what's up. The good, good. The corner, hey. Sunshine, rainy news to lend you a hand. Black power woman who happens to be Asian. Black power woman who happens to be Asian. Would play you some Jean Grey. Would give you a 10 spot if you say you're broke. Even if you don't respect her kimchi. Asian black power lady is sick of cash talking. Brownstones walking. A Santa go wild and now she tears up those signs. Those we buy cash houses signs. Tell it like Talib. Take you to the pen yard. Take you to the pen yard. She'll take you to the pen yard for soakers and more. 
She wants to save, restore, and more. Bedroom blocks and gardens. While you can still get your afro locks or short blinds, you tight for something unbelievable, reasonable. Plum tea, bows, miso, squeeze, juice, black soap, shea, butter, island. Soulfully unsolicited hellos advice. She knows Jacob Lawrence's corner. No string and Fulton is her pocket. No string and Fulton is her pocket. Loop it. Is her pocket is her pocket unbossed like chisholm retweet ah. this gracely blogs we treat this kochiyama retweet this ishioka retweet this retweet this if you want to find the fake ass reggae and ska party, you gotta get through me. Speak the right code, I might let you in. Do not ask about the notorious B.I.G. tours or what Billy Joel was singing about that scared speculators. But if you mention the mural, you know ODB on a benefit card, you might be golden. Restoration, restoration. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Which was also inspired by um, a real encounter of a, of a woman saying those words to me on the street, you think you're white. I was like, me? <laughs> so I made a song out of it, do what we do, okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, <laughs> okay. Thank you. This is Gregory Cage on bass, long time partner. Okay, here we go. New York City, itty, New York City, itty, New York City, itty, New York City, itty, the BK, whoo, the BK, ha, the BK, whoo, the BK, the BK, whoo, the BK, the BK, whoo, the BK. New Brooklyn, an artist uncooperative knitting space, a cafe laundry drop off artist wake-up service. You know, the one bilking you for a $200 a month espresso fix when what you need is space, something other than a wall, vitamin D, viable savings, accountability, saving from screens, soluble protein, indivisible neighbors of color. Strive, striver. Portfolio poor and brownstone rich is the new various 
Talk to the realtor on her foghorn, Sully. Convince her that all of Park Slope is closer to the Brooklyn Bridge than Pratt Institute. Wank, wank. Do not share your borrowed tabloid times with an artisanal water hawker. Do boycott the community table from jogging dude refusing to rest his heart rate long enough to clean up after his overworked sweat glands dripping on you. Small batches of intolerance. Okay, I know it's not okay. Don't do that. Encourage nuanced local artisanal edge. Edge, aight? Along with yogic flexibility. I love the edge. I love the edge. Bite here, bonus. Born here, you work too hard to concede your, or excuse me, to cede your corner of industrial islands to stirred hips. New York City, itty, New York City, itty, New York City, itty, New York City, itty, the BK, woo, the BK, ha, the BK, woo, the BK, ha, the BK, woo, the BK, ha, the BK, woo, the BK. Thank you. So uh, a couple of you that are here from Cleveland know that Cleveland was once known as the best location in the nation. I know it's hard for some of you to believe. It doesn't exactly have that reputation. Um, anyway. <laughs> the lake, though, is beautiful. If you ever, had, ever have a chance to go there, and hopefully there's not too much killer algae or killer cod or whatever's killer in it. Bone hugs. Womack, 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 Womack. Get up, get up. Can't stay asleep. Cause call me Chuck. Hole up in the cut. Live in lake effect grind. Ditch topical rewind. When I f f flow, f flow, flow, you the beach, wave, wave, clay town gravel, rain over. I'm the beach, wave, wave, clay town gravel, wash over, watch over. Rain, watch over, wash over. How many Dennis Kucinages foil a play to pay? How many spitballs can Gaylord Perry sneak pitch? How many Russell Meanses are taken for Chief Wahoo? How many dog pounds morph into raven's roosts? How much sulfur requires smell-o-vision is a steel mill better imagined. St. Theodosius Cathedral, church by day, progressive club crawl and spot to earliest light. Skinny filaments, gold light outline, 
hovering cloud of pre-grunge Fagans, a decked out sky ready for a weekend, the flats, jazzily punk daybreak, soul blues, polka varietal sun pledge, hoppish, hippish gospel in the AM reveal, Ohio players, Zap featuring Roger, Bootsley, Isley Brothers, funkin' always back to you through your nightlight. The Agora, a dream you read about and seen, but vanished before you could catch Devo and Clevo. Now, little Jimmy Scott and Jenny Morrison could snake charm rivers from Dayton on down or up, the Cuyahoga included. Sing it, Jimmy. Listen to the water side of you. A striped city, so stylish. Black East, White West, swirl in between. Hungarian, Chinese, Lebanese, Puerto Rican, pockets, Polish, Jewish, sleeves, a little Cuba, marrying white or black, become Polish or black Southern or Italian, inflected, Cubanos, infamy of big Italy, eclipsed by Murray Hills, Italian specialties, curio shops and tomato gardens, fig preservation societies, have your bed and breakfast quaint now and all historically marked where you used to ride your bike and get chased out or worst now that North Coast is pure, unadulterated, unregislated progress? Don't look into a Buckeye's eyes unless you mean love, Rust Belt style. How many times can I abandon the East Side? How cavernously can I love a city that gave me Girl Scout meetings at the Surah Jazz and Disco Club? Sparkly stuff spicing up our merit badge and cookie business, conducted in Spanish by a retired high school teacher determined to field trip us to Madrid. Gregory Cage. It's hard to know about, read about, live through a child killing, the killing of a child by the police. This is Tamir Rice. The chlorophyll of him, park innards, a growing green alum boy, heritage seedling of the Western Reserve. Boy ritual, streamed in digital pixelated bits, sacrificial bites, mother, father, sister, no memory enough. A shaming, a taming, a killing, wannabe headline, 
rogue humanists offer alternate ways to look at black boys, a different kind of imaging, anything else. Headlines, father rap sheet, mother press conference, sister wrestled to the ground. Whiplash, lash back, Tamir grew up, question mark wants to know when around violence. Flower boy in the viewfinder, boy flower by the lake. His violet weediness, the chlorophyll of him, park innards, a growing green. Heirloom boy, heritage seedling of the Western Reserve. Air softing, racing, Grass growing shy or mouthy, growing out of shoes, ellipsis, in view. Land banks, urban preserves, tree planting parties, family swim, monitored vacant edges, other exciting activities, fitness, watershed, in the viewfinder, and isn't he cute, a lion cub club. Privileged hunter, play gamer, a shaky cop, lunch line, dot, 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 search. Kudel Rec in summer, sun deck, sauna, game room, gym, baseball, aqua size, water, gains, weight. If you enjoy the outdoors, permission slips. Schedule. And pointing it at people, probably a juvenile, you know. I don't know if it's real or not, you know. 911 caller said he's scaring the expletive out of the inaudible. Police car stops at 19 seconds. By 21 seconds, the boy is ground, claim rights failed to put hands up, hospital rush, day child mortally wounded, Sunday expired, the boy Tamir, edge of water, gone, think July and firepower working too damned well. A time ago, Euclid Beach, an amusement, arrow dips, racing coaster, flying turn, the thriller, question mark, they are lovely. Did Rice grow up around violets, violins, Severance Hall, the orchestra? He was a V for velocity, not for victory, question mark. Cultural garden called weediness, period. Wild fast. Natural history identifies 136 tree and plant species, 46 species of sedges, grasses, mosses, ferns, fungi, 56 birds, seven amphibians, six mammal species, and 89 insect and arthropods. Violets in the Midwest are removed or sprayed or transplanted from native beds to edges, will eventually cover lawns and create a monoculture remove wild strawberries from traffic areas because they tend to die and leave muddy patches. Ray, violets and strawberries, have you found that they get too pushy over time and shouldn't be encouraged? Purple violets growing in mostly full sun, white violets in partial shade. In a mosaic of grasses, they can handle some mowing and foot traffic. I don't see any reason that you can't encourage them Exotic species, watch out. November 26th, article. The boy's family has a history, justification, domestic, question mark, violins. Mother and father, Kudel Park, Streamline. 
keep your readers hooked. Write a review, upload a photo, a recording, violins only in Cleveland. He was living in a gang-infested neighborhood. That confirms he was a gangster. Cleveland hopes. Who shoots a 12-year-old from 10 feet away and expects a free pass? Violet dreams, modesty, fortune, death too soon, soon too. Color theory, purple confidence, ballistic eyes, power intuition, hitting each other with non-mental spheres, floriography, intuition, the orange tip, candor, how to distinguish airsoft guns from real firearms, innocence if white shows, Euclid Beach Park riot protests, 1946. No sitting, no talking, no mixing of any kind between the races. Congress of Racial Equality put out by Park Police. Lynn Coleman and Henry McKay intervene. They are black cops off duty. Fight! Coleman was shot with his own gun. See below, Cleveland hopes. See below, an officer shot a kid. That's the issue. by the lake his violet weediness the chlorophyll of him park in us a glowing green heirloom boy heritage ceiling of the western reserve heritage ceiling of the western reserve band on your block, enter for the Lord, exit with a tape, fix your stereo, television set, organs, cars, anything, a luau of fixing in Cleveland. That 49 Chevy I had in college, the one that drove only backwards, the one the Huntsville, Alabama police warned me to quit driving, don't bring that rep back down that hill, boy, Bodie could have fixed my broke down ride in two seconds. The brother actually makes vinyl. He's back there in a garage cooking up oil, acetate plates, and pouring LPs. Remember the embargo? Oil companies would freeze out black record companies until white guys got theirs. Old Bodie would grind up the cast off records. You hear me? He made new vinyl out of old. That brother's gonna help us get Stokes elected and record that ballad you wrote for your sweetheart. You wanna sing? He will record and press you into a 45 RPM, bad notes and all. You can bless the neighborhood with it like you're a professional. Press your love on one side, color costs a few cents more. 
I'm thinking of asking Bodie to drive in the Mount Pleasant Community Association Parade, get the message out about all the candidates. No float, no teenage Union Avenue Street Club, club or anything like that. Bodie Record Company for Stokes. Loudspeakers doing their what you know good best to the car roof. Re-elect Carl B. Stokes for black vinyl, a groove you can't remove. Mayor of Cleveland. Black the color of vinyl, color costs a few cents more. Profess a love on A side, B might push you out the door. Okay, I am going to read a little bit from this beautiful chaplet. And uh, it means so much to me for a lot of reasons. One, because it's inspired by these conversations with my dad. And uh, he managed to tell me th these stories about being in World War II in the segregated Navy somehow without scaring me. Because <laughs> some of these stories I heard when I was a very little girl. And um, I don't, he's not around, he's, not, he's uh, deceased, so I can't ask him certain questions now that I wish I could. But anyway, I'll read a little bit of it. Uh, the characters are SFC James, and um, another character is his unborn daughter, who's going to be born decades in the future. And there's some other assorted military characters. This is SFC James. About a month later, we're in the Philippines. The rest of the damaged goods and I were sent there to heal up before shipping back home or back into action. I'm limping and using a crutch while my left arm is in a sling. The fellows line up deep for a bus headed across base to a camp show. The USO finally got a hold of the colored Andrews sisters. Still, I wasn't in the mood for much, especially not that saltine Warner acting his color class and station. Warner got his kicks messing with cripples. I can tell you most of what happened until I blacked out. I was the show before the show. And this is not a thought in my head. Drop your baby? You wouldn't do that. You never drop anything. Your one arm is more dependable than two. True blue, just like you. James, the war comes back sometimes. The car backfires. I might fall. Your mother and I can't have you until I certainly won't drop you. Thank you. Gregory Cage, where are you? Thank Gregory. <laughs> So I just want to uh, say that Soretta and I collaborated on both of these introductions, which was a really amazing experience to not only be writing, but in conversation um, about Janice and Pamela's work. So both of our voices are in both of the introductions, even though we're reading them individually. Pamela Sneed is a New York-based poet and actress. She is the author of Imagine Being More Afraid of Freedom Than Slavery, Kong, and Lincoln. Her work has been featured in The New Yorker, New York Times Magazine, Bomb, Vibe, and has been widely anthologized, including in Nikki Giovanni's 100 Best African American Poems. She's headlined for audiences around the world, but even while considering her impressive performance history, which includes features at Joe's Pub, 
Lincoln Center, and Central Park Summer Stage, to name a few. It feels significant to be introducing you here tonight under the roof of St. Mark's Church. In Pamela's own words, the first poetry she ever knew was of the ecstatic rhythms of church chords and people filling into the pews of her grandfather's Baptist church. She performs with as much style and charisma as First Lady on Revival Sunday, but like any good sermon, her work isn't limited to the sanctuary or the would-be sanctified. Rather, she uses poetry to explore the moral and material implications of popular culture and its relationship to historical tragedies. Like parables for a new way of being, the poems in her newly published Belladonna Chaplet, Gift, offer the promise of hope under the imperative of revolution. Pamela's poetry decodes our current state of affairs from the machine domination of electronic devices to the highly calculated tragedies of racialized violence to an intimate gift from daughter to mother. How do martyred names become poetry? Repeating just a few names, Michael Brown, Eleanor Bumpers, Freddie Gray, Sarah Bartman, Trayvon Martin, Emmett Till, and to have no name is a form of apocalypse. Sneed uses the poem as a rebuttal of Sandra Bland's supposed cause of death. Sneed's voice is a history book inside a newscaster who refuses to hide feelings of rage and grief as part of the broadcast. The direct address of eye contact on how a jur jury already fails by its selection are time and place reversals of the civil rights movement. As Sneed writes, the whole country reduced to manipulation and gossip how to chart a paralysis from what is not on record in the wake of another young black man murdered for walking down the street. The existence of Barbie and Ken alongside remixes of the hot and top Venus reach a limit. Pamela Sneed's work compels us to talk about here. Please help me in welcoming Pamela Sneed. Introduction, man. I had to borrow that. That was hot, right? Yeah. They got it. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit high. Um, well, first of all, I want to say thank you to everybody who came. Thank you. It's a great crowd. It's nice to see people of color out there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So, um, and I want to thank Soretta Morgan and Ariel um, for bringing me here and for doing the uh, chaplet um, gift. And um, it's really special to me. Um, gift was a dream that I had. Um, and I just want to read, it's a gift to Sabo uh, Maku. And she's a young black lesbian who was raped and strangled with wire and shoelace. Um, a hose pipe had been shoved into her mouth, and her body was found in Tshing Venterstorp, South Africa. Um, and so I named uh, the chaplet after her, um, and I don't think that we have any stories or enough stories uh, about black lesbians, and so it was my commitment to try to bring gift uh, into the world and um, Soretta's vision and Ariel's vision. Um, so I thank you. Um, and I thank everybody who came to bear witness. Um, so, okay. So we lift gift into the stratosphere. <laughs> yes, okay, okay. Um, but I want to start with Lincoln, uh, which was another chapbook that I did last year. 
And, um, and I want to start with Sekou Sandiata. I don't want to write a nice, neat poem about Sekou Sandiata. I don't want you or I to feel comfortable. I don't want this to feel flowery and poetic. I don't want to talk about what a great poet he was and he was. I don't want to talk about the deep brown cocoa of his skin. I don't want to describe the baritone of his voice that could entrance you. I don't want to say again he was my teacher in the endless challenges he offered. He was a champion of Sonia Sanchez, Amiri Baraka, and June Jordan was a personal friend. That was the school he came out of that Black Power Panther thing, changed his name from Robert to Sekou Sandiata. I don't want to eulogize him or talk of the last time we spoke. Today I want to be that person who says when everything has been resolved and determined, when the final vows exchanged, I object. In the face of silence, I object. I want to be that slave who refuses to wear chains, does not go gently. I want to invoke the mother of Trayvon Martin, his father burying a son, the community that lost a comrade. I want to conjure Sean Bell's widow, the family of Amadou Diallo. I want to circle this room with caution tape. I want to draw his body in white chalk to part the crowds in the audience that has gathered here, to raise my fist in the spirit of Audre Lorde and Asada Shakur, and to say it is a crime, say Kusandiata is not here today among us. I don't know what we need to do to save our artists, to listen while they are still here, where to draw the line between personal responsibility for health and the nightmarish medical system we are living in. I don't know where to end this except to say I loved and I miss it. There was something about one of the women who spoke after the Zimmerman verdict. He was freed. The state attorney with her hair in a Florida, Texas type upswing with sassy eyes and that smirk that made me see George, Jeb, backroom deals, handshakes, disguised voices, walks on the ranch. Nothing that will ever go on record, a voice whispering, we're going to get this country back from the niggas. Something in the way she smirked, looked like a high five and a fist bump to George, Jeb, and the rest. Behind her, I could see that NRA fanatic Clint Eastwood, Charlton Heston, talking to an empty chair, pretending it was President Obama. I could see handshakes and winks between Sarah Palin and Arnold saying, we're going to get this country back from the niggas. On another continent a long time ago, Clarence Thomas would have been necklaced, and George Zimmerman is lucky to have never seen jail time because he might have gotten the Jeffrey Dahmer treatment found in a broom closet. Condoleezza is not an achievement. She's just a girl forever eager to please her white father, would sell anything for that stamped approval. Watching her come out and speak at the Republican National Convention was like watching Philadelphia's first black mayor drop a bomb on a family of screaming black people, baby set fire, drowning in Katrina while she smiled that American smile and the children were drowning. They couldn't swim. You have to understand Trayvon was never a child. Walking to and from the grocery store buying Skittles and an iced tea, hardly a menu for crime. 
He was already a fugitive with a warrant for his arrest dating back 450 years. Ever since he and his descendants made the Middle Passage, stood on an auction block, deemed somebody else's property, George Zimmerman echoing bounty hunters and lynch mobs of eons past, shouting, they always get away, but not this one. From this day forward, I promise to never go anywhere talking about inhumanity and human rights violations, to let my eyes gleam with gore talking about clitoris removal until we talk about here. What's been destroyed, cut off, maimed. I'm warming up. Heart halved, split. An orange piece of meat spliced straight down the middle. As anyone I'm concerned about police brutality, racism, the body of Michael Brown laying in the street, dead for hours dead, like slaves tied to mass, rails left to rot dry. At least in slavery, he might still be alive, only wounded, loss of fingers, toes, eye, and organ, body part. Like anyone, I'm concerned about the 21st century, what it means when a young black person can't walk through a white neighborhood legally and his killer goes free, committing one sociopathic crime after another, juror B or something of another, hiding behind a black screen, but no matter, you could still tell how white she was, calling him George, and you can just see her squeezing his baby cheeks. I'm skipping around, but I can see Nelson Mandela burning the, pa the passbook, controlling and tracking his whereabouts before the technology. One of the apps for iPhone is called Passbook. It was involuntarily placed and appeared on my phone. I wonder if any of the billions of users worldwide called to complain. In South Africa, the last tweet of Oscar Pistorius' girlfriend was about the young black South African woman, Anim Busin, brutally gang-raped and murdered. Perhaps she predicted her own murder, not rape, but demise. I was stunned by the recent rape and murder of a young black lesbian in South Africa, and I can't believe her parents looked down into the cradle and they called her gift. Our gift, God's gift, human gift, murdered. All of these things concern me. Eleanor Bumper still concerns me. A 66-year-old black woman in a wheelchair shot by police. They said she threatened them with a knife. One of the protesters at a Black Lives Matter demo at Grand Central was an older white man who stood for hours and didn't move, held up a sign that read Eleanor Bumpers because he remembered her. She was the subject of mammoth fears. They said only bullets could take her down. But what I'm afraid of today is not just police guns being shot, wounded, killed without trial or justice. My 85-year-old aunt who has lived through some part of segregation and civil rights says she is afraid every time her 14-year-old black grandson leaves the house. What bothers me most causes the black in my eyes is not that big sugar mammy sphinx with enormous teats and exposed vulva, dead blank stares of tar babies melting into molasses and all of us gathered with our cell phones to take pictures gathered around lynching trees just walking through the door we are called to participate, all of us walking into what appears as a circus tent, lining up in hot sun, taking our turns while the real mammy looks down from heaven and laughs hysterically as we gaze at our Sarah Bartman's sugar bleached white like the walls of Cape Coast Castle, painted white for a more sanitary viewing. 
Slaves in Haiti had a four to six year uh, lifespan on sugar plantations, a brutal, brutal history. What concerns me today is not just racism, but what Kara Walker slyly describes and titles, the subtlety. Hits hard. Harder than violent races, deaths of Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Freddie Gray, Walter Sp Scott combined. Harder than the rape and murder of a young black lesbian named Gift in South Africa. It hurts as much more than healthy pictures of Whitney Houston than seeing her face bloated, bubbled like Emmett Till's. And I'm not even counting the scars inside. I don't blame Bobby Brown or drugs. I blame the system of celebrity for killing her. No, news of the massacre in South Carolina by Dylan Roof hits harder because it feels as if I knew those people, those black, black, red, brown, black, tan, taupe, yellow people, my father's people, my grandmother, my grandfather's people from the Carolinas. My grandfather was a Baptist minister. He started Holy Temple Church in Massachusetts. I knew their grief, their church, their church chords, the way their voices crackled and sparkled when they sang blessed, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. I knew Wednesday night prayer meeting in Sunday school, the way Bible stories were woven into everyday allegories about triumph and survival. I knew aunts, cousins, uncles, family trees connected all the way back to the plantations. I knew pride, pageantry, costumes. Once at a funeral, I saw a preacher count days, seconds, hours, minutes, moments a man was alive. I saw a congregation lay hands on a man and pray so hard when they finished he never touched drugs no more. I saw men and women jump up, by electric spirit. On Easter, my grandfather shouted from the pulpit, fellowship, fellowship. Saw women and men squat, give blues, birth, jazz, pop, rock and roll. Saw his sister Rosetta, Mahalia, Sam, Aretha, Etta, Gladys, Whitney, spinners in four tops, my grandmother's grayness, cancer, chemo, then death. And later I moved away, changed names, grew tall, went back and introduced myself to two women elders in my grandfather's church. And they said, we know who you are, calling me by my birth name, Isla. I knew these people, their language, the way the preachers spoke and women testified. It was the first poetry I ever knew. Ecstatic rhythm, church chords, people filing into pews on Sunday morning. I knew them. Cornerstones, backbones, scholars, athletes, teachers, poets, singers, dancers, orators, actors, mathematicians, liberation, theologians, mothers, fathers, children, sisters, daughters, cousins, nieces, nephews, sons, on marches, in prayer, fingers, eyes, toes, teeth, tear gas, burnt alive, beaten, shot, executed, Clementa Pickney, Dwayne, Middleton Doctor, Cynthia Hurd, Susie Jackson, Ethel Lance, Tiswana Sanders, Do Reverend Dr. Daniel Simmons, Sharonda Coleman, Singleton, Myrna Thompson, I knew them. Like the family I come from. Sometimes in that great theater of life, if you've survived, you'll get to go back again to that thing that troubled you and couldn't be resolved. It will come back in a situation familiar, and this time you get to say to the lover who blamed and lied and told all of her friends, it takes two. You get to see those who attacked and bullied in new light. It was always more about them than you. 
And even though you'll always have the scars, this time you get to get dressed, put your clothes on, say no. If the sky doesn't fall out and you don't get swallowed by the ground or frozen stiff solid and your voice holds out, you can say, I never, ever, ever deserved that. And I believe it too. For the first time, no longer taking on their identity for you, this time, if you survived, you don't care what's said. Your liberty is more important than fear, and you're willing to be alone, stand alone for truth. The, okay, all right, all right. I had just begun to relax celebrate the marriage equality ruling. I had just begun feeling with Obama. I was watching Ali in trouble off the ropes, delivering to his opponent the rope-a-dope, my father's eyes, excitement. I was just beginning to breathe air, feel exhilarated at images of Joe Biden and President Obama running down halls of the White House with rainbow flags like boys with kites soaring. I was just beginning to forgive deaths of my brothers to AIDS, not forget. There should still be tribunals for them and every woman abused by the medical system. I had just begun to turn a corner. I just began to turn a corner on Mike Brown, Freddie Gray, Trayvon Martin, Eric Garner, the massacre at AME, and not think of it all every day. And then the police killed this young black girl in custody in Texas, claimed she committed suicide. I remember we're a war nation in war times. And I imagine how James Bayard Nina felt seeing a nation turn its dogs, teeth, gas, hoses, bullets on children and adults. I can't stop thinking about Steve Biko, his battered face. They say he hung himself too. The world's outrage. Who will pray now for us, America? The whole country reduced to manipulation and gossip. I have to admit, sometimes I just sit and I sit and I stare and I stare. I think things like Kim and Kanye instead of Northwest should have named their baby North Star in honor of Harriet and all the slaves who followed its light to freedom. And right now I'm thinking of Ferguson, Missouri, Michael Brown's body laying dead in the street uncovered for hours after a, co a cop shot him for jaywalking. I think of Trayvon Martin's body laying miles from home, unidentified in a morgue without a toe tag. Talking to my students about Trayvon Martin, one of them says, dogs have more rights in this country than black men. Remember Michael Vick got in trouble for pitting and killing dogs. They threw the book at him. He lost his job and career. Which makes me think right now we're doing this all wrong. Maybe we should send the ASPCA or PETA down to Ferguson, Missouri to prosecute the cop, Darren Wilson, because these organizations seem much more adept at getting justice. And sometimes I'm just sitting there in front of the screen. I can't move. I stare at gaunt cheekbones of movie stars. I suspect one is an anorexic, but it isn't my business to judge women's weight. And right now, with all the wars going on in Syria, Afghanistan, with ISIS between Israel and Palestine, in Ferguson, it would be a good time for Kanye to enter stage left to grab the trophy from Taylor Swift, hit her over the head with it, like Bam Bam's character in a cartoon, and drag her ass to the White House the way men who lost lovers to AIDS drop their ashes on the front lawn to protest. 
I'm not for violence against women, but I'm over Barbie and Ken. And right now, we need Kanye to proclaim, as he did during Katrina, George Bush doesn't like black people and mix it into every song we hear. The last presidential debate between Mitt Romney and Obama was so boring, we were desperately in need of Nene from Atlanta Housewives to grab something like the toupee off of Mitt Romney's head and run away with it. I watched the video music awards on the music channel last night. Nicki Minaj's ass harkened all the way back to the hot and tot, the black woman who performed with an animal trainer through Nicki, Kim K, J-Lo, and Iggy Azalea. Sarah Bartman is in again. When Usher slapped Nicki's ass in a perfunctory way, you know the contract clause said he mustn't hit too hard because like Tina Turner's legs, her ass is insured. And all the while this was going on, Jimmy Fallon showed up to sing a heart-wrenching rendition of Mammy. <laughs> really, all of these shows are like some turn-of-the-century shit with that black-on-black -black uh, face tap-dancing duo before Amos and Andy, the brothers' big red lips and charcoal eyes for women not even a hint of burlesque. Miley Cyrus cried and de dedicated her trophy to homeless runaways, which makes me think Kim and Kanye, instead of Northwest, should have named their baby North Star in honor of all the slaves searching and guided to freedom. So, Mr. Cohen, Homeland Security is ruining our relationship. You know, <laughs> how everyone always writes those terrible poems about ex-lovers. Well, I wanted to write a different one and say I liked her because she was an insatiable fuck, willing anytime, anywhere, because during that big blackout in New York that happened a few years back after 9-11, which all the newscasters called a tragedy and such, she and I used the city's all-day electrical outage as an opportunity to fuck like two bunnies in heat. We held an indoor picnic and went to buy groceries and supplies by candlelight, then went swiftly back to our fucking. I liked her, because one night, one night, while watching TV, we rented the films, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings, The Two Towers, you know, one of those big Hollywood blockbuster action movies mixed with some warmongering and medieval shit. Well, anyway, I liked her because it was nearing the end of that movie where the handsome movie actor of swashbuckling variety is fighting his final battle when all the chips are down, enemies are everywhere, and it must look to the outside eye like he and his team of good guys has surely lost the war. And one of his trusted counselors goes to him and tries to dissuade him from fighting, and he says, there is no hope. And right when he puts on the armored suit and dashes into battle, he says, there is always hope. <laughs> My lover, the woman I'm speaking of, turns to me and says, meaning the hero, he's you, right? <laughs> I liked her. <laughs> because once, after I'd gone on a trip and come back and come back, she said, I plan to meet you at the airport naked under a coat, but I feared being discovered. Homeland Security is ruining our relationship. <laughs> and once, while going on another trip, she and I fucked so hard in the parking lot, I was late for the plane. And then when I entered the terminal, discovered I was at the wrong airport. And then, 
My lover transports me in her car on top of her wings, on back of her imaginary horse, and we're like the Lone Ranger and Tonto galloping down the highway full speed. I ended up making that flight. I liked her uh, because once we were standing on a soccer field on a Saturday afternoon watching her eight-year-old daughter play soccer. The sun shone brightly on the field and the team switched sides and all the action goes in opposite way and she turns to me after we fought the evening before when she's only going to walk a few steps and says, come with me. I liked her. <laughs> because she wanted to study the Karma Sutra and for us to buy the kit. <laughs> and finally, I like her best, I liked her best, because occasionally while making love, when neither of us was guarded, she placed her slender brown hands around the back of my head, cradled it the way a mother does with a child, gazes lovingly into their eyes as a way of protecting them and keeping them safe. safe. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um, I don't know how we're doing for time. One more. Oh, okay. I'll do one. One more, one more. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to read this one for Christian. Um, because Christian really likes it. This poem promises to be my greatest yet. It won't be at least initially ordinary poetry stuff, you know, love, loss, found, budding spring, broken heart, isms, daily injustices, Walter Scott, Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, Boko Haram, bring back our girls, the Kenyan massacre, a black man hung from a noose recently in Mississippi, a noose hung on cal college campuses, a spate of transgender teen suicides. It won't be about the shooting at AME Church in South Carolina, nine members killed by a man they welcomed and prayed with. It won't be about the death of, of Bobby Christina Brown, daughter of Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown, the grief and tragedy of it all. No, this poem will be about Alexander Graham Bell's greatest invention, telephones, commonly referred to and known as landlines. Yes, landlines. Like John Stewart, now Trevor Noah, Noah who blends news with satiri satirical comedy, this segment is captioned in red letters, flashes across the screen, and asks rhetorically, like referring to eight-track players or mixtapes, landlines, really? Which doesn't diss those who gave up on uh, smartphones, tired of expenses, hidden fees, getting wound and tweaked up all day like addicts to methamphetamines, like anorexics trolling Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, constantly binging and purging. I don't diss those who want to return to good old days, simpler times with plastic, now near metal monstrosity, used for dialing up, pressing pound, double lines to avoid busy signals, and star 6-9 to catch stalkers with great progress. I don't diss those who want or need direct connects to their mothers, fathers, and relatives of eons past. I don't diss those of us who don't want to wear Bluetooth technologies, iWatches, Google Glasses as we shuttle toward the post-human with meteoric speed, blending of woman, man, machine, bionic eyes, robotic, app robotic appendages have been introduced for maximum dependability. 
For non-believers, here's a test. Try losing your smartphone. See if you don't panic, sweat, shake, have the same feelings of breaking up with someone you really liked, wanted to marry, or worse, like coming down off the highest high, crashing down, feeling lost and purposeless. One of my students once got up in a speech class, seriously introduced her iPhone and iPad as family members. In the university, I teach idea of the human, basic philosophy, difference, humans in daily ruts. After watching the film Her about a man who falls for his feminized operating system, I ask students, who is more programmed, man, woman, or machines? Is interspecies dating a thing of the future, and aren't we already doing that? No, I don't diss those who are opting out, but will sooner or later be overtaken with encroaching inevitability of machine domination, the new slavery, my issue is with these increasingly popular shows with black women leads that boast of, be that boast of being post-black, no longer tethered to ordinary ideas of race, black and white relationships that are not like in the sci-fi Blade Runner, actually replicas of Mammy and Slave Master, or Master. Olivia Pope is supposed to be a powerful black woman, Washington scandal fixer, but her role, like the help, is cleaning up messes of rich white people. She is the object of not just one, but two powerful white men she's addicted to. She's abused, spied on, exchanged, goes back and forth, but it said we, it mustn't be interpreted this way. These shows like Scandal and Empire claim to lift us like Scotty, Kirk, and Spock into other dimensions, but when a character confesses murder or a profound family secret, we'll still use a landline to communicate. And although I know it's for theatricality, I'm giving it like Siskel and Ebert, thumbs down. <laughs> also, a major black woman side-eye and asking landlines, really? <laughs> Even I, an artist, part of the proletariat, knows not to send emails, texts, or use landlines to communicate things of importance. All that is public is private, proven by Watergate, Monica Lewinsky, the CIA in the 60s. Everything is tapped. My mother even talks about the government spying on us through the TV, and I never understood how a smart politician like Anthony Weiner posted his Weiner on Twitter and is not caught once but a second time sexting someone other than his wife, and everything is just fun and games, but some young black women students watch Basketball Wives, Being Mary Jane, Scandal and Empire without any irony, like a, like a documentary film series, part lesson plan, instructed by the character of Mary Jane on BET involved with a married man justified because his wife doesn't give head right and I kid you not they said this my students think that there's power in being a hoe or being called <laughs> being somebody's bottom bitch like reading a script or a teleprompter I watch someone point by point recount the rights and the endless perks of being a bottom bitch also I'm completely a fan of ebonics it's creative teacher poet Sekou Sandiata said black Americans speak two languages but as a professor myself everyone knows language is important to a black student's survival week after week it gets hard watching Empire where black characters speak an unintelligible language acts irregardless obliterating the word to be as an aside I never understood one word of buckwheat Urkel or cared for what the Fresh Prince or Gary Coleman ever said. And last week, a black secretary on Empire modeled straight after Prissy and Gone with the Wind, know nothing about birthing babies handbook, said she knew nothing about her mistress in the Berkshires, pronouncing Burke then Shires, making one word two. So I'm asking, landlines, really? 
This week's scandal episode was based on Monica Lewinsky and the phenomenon of young girls killed by politicians literally and figuratively buried beneath Capitol Hill, like the bones of former slaves buried beneath City Hall and the courthouse in New York City. At the African Burial Ground Museum on Lower Broadway, their bones talk. I pray there sometimes, take students so they know, can hear. Can hear. And anyway, after publishing an expose, the girl on fictional TV has her throat slit by people supposed to protect her, just when Monica Lewinsky in real life emerged in a TED talk to say she was the first victim of internet bullies, like those women subjects in high school social studies class publicly stoned, wore scarlet letters, were burnt alive, banished, medieval practices, as medieval to some as landlines in a current configuration. These stories on television exist, but people say can't be analyzed in terms of race or, or gender, so I'm asking for the last time, landlines? Really? <laughs> Leading me to say that the architects of slavery, Jim Crow, apartheid, lynching, and gender inequality have brought to us the greatest invention yet, greater than the monstrous Frankenstein, a metaphor for birth, progeny, and encroaching technology like atom bombs and chemical warfare, only slower, longer-lasting slavery with no name, addiction, the zombie apocalypse. I always point out to my students the only people on television openly with no rights are addicts, and we ourselves can't go a day without sugar, a smartphone, coffee, shopping, new clothes, plugging into a public feed. I've said it before and I will say it again, if you want a revolution, one morning, real early, empty the shelves and pantries at Starbucks, take coffee out of every grocery store, 7-Eleven. When the people are mad, angry, despondent, have nowhere to turn, take away sugar. I have this dream of a sci-fi, a slave woman traveling to the future, which is now guided through the landscape of popular television. She does not see a free people. In the words of poet Jane Cortez with my own mix, she can still see pus and the scars and smell stench of maggot, infested, infected, laceration of whips and people still haunted, living their past. And going to the doctor to receive information regarding her heart. My mother wore the necklace I gave her for Christmas. Crystal clear, sparkling, purple, pink, blue light wrapped around her neck and worn as a power source. Everywhere I went, she says, people asked, where did you get that necklace from? It's beautiful. My daughter gave it to me. Well, I surprised. Daughter, they repeat? Daughter, my mother said. Over the years, I've become my mother's hero, carried by wind whenever she says daughter, happy to be my mother's inspiration source, the well we turn to for strength. Thank you. Gift. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, everybody, for coming out. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. The Poetry Project has promoted, fostered, and inspired the reading and writing of contemporary poetry since 1966. Consider supporting us by checking out a reading, becoming a member, or donating at poetryproject.org.